Thank you for a beautiful, beautiful day and opportunity to gather in your creation, to gather as a church, guests and friends, to, to hear from your word. We pray that you prepare our hearts, soften our hearts to hear your word this morning, that you would bring about the change in our lives that you desire to see. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, again, good morning. Welcome to all those that are joining us, and especially to guests that are here. If this is your first time, welcome. Or to those that are watching online, welcome uh, to Shepherd's Gate, too. We're glad that you're worshiping with us, gathering with us, and uh, you're just going to celebrate with us this morning. And so it's a little bit unexpected this morning that some of you just won some presents, right? I don't know if any of you thought today that you were going to come and you were going to win something, or maybe just in general, some of you are surprised that we are playing Christmas music. You know, for me, uh, July was a surprising month when I was 16. When I was 16 years old, I had one of my very best friends reach out to me in the middle of July, in the middle of the week, and in the middle of the day. He just shot me a text and said, hey, do you want to catch a movie? Which doesn't seem that odd. Really not that surprising, but, but it was in the middle of the day, not normally when we would go get a movie, uh, go see a movie, and it was also in the middle of the week. But it was a movie I wanted to see, and it was a good friend, so I went, I picked him up, we went to the movie, it was a good time, we went back to my house, and then it was surprising. Because as I approached my house, I noticed there was tons of cars, Tons and tons of cars, cars that I was familiar with, cars I was unfamiliar with. I could see a tent in the backyard of my house, and I could also begin to see some people, some family members. And as I approached, I realized I was walking into my own surprise birthday party. Now, what was surprising about that was my birthday is in January, and it was in the middle of July. I, I was not expecting it, so it was, I guess, my 16th and a half birthday party. I'm thankful to my family and friends that put that together. And much in the same way, we're gathering this morning in a beautiful July day in the middle of the summer here in Michigan, and we're going to celebrate Christmas together. And that might not be what you were expecting when you came to church this morning. But as I look at Christmas in July as a concept, Christmas of July as a celebration, which a quick Google search told me it started back in 1933 at a girls' summer camp somewhere like in the New England area. I don't know if that's true or not, but what I do know is true is that it is good and it is right and it is proper for us as believers to celebrate Christmas today because it is, as we are going to explore, we should be celebrating Christmas every single day. So with that, to get in the Christmas season, you already heard, or the Christmas kind of mentality, you already heard some Christmas music. Let me go ahead and read a very familiar Christmas passage. It comes out of the book of Isaiah, which is in the Old Testament. And this is a prophecy, it's telling, it's foretelling of Jesus being born. And it comes out of Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. And it says this, For a child is born to us, a son is given. The government will rest on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. That first line there really says what we want to focus on here today. For, uh, for a child is born to us. 
A son is given to us. Can all of you repeat those, those two words? To us. Can we do that? One, two, three. To us. God comes to us in the most extraordinary way on Christmas, and we're going to explore this concept or this reality, really, that God comes to us in this supernatural way, which is hard for us to get or grasp or fathom by looking at a couple of presents. So whoever won these, the, the big prize, if you wouldn't mind coming up right now, and I could use your help as you open up your presents. There's going to be a few presents here that help me share a message. So you can, you can open uh, this one first, which is nicely wrapped. You can tear into that. Go ahead. Go ahead and open that one. That's fine. You guys can tear into that together if you'd like and see what that one is all about. I think it is the biggest super soaker I've ever seen. I think it holds about two gallons or so. So maybe it actually might, it might take the both of you to hold it. I don't know. And here's the one that I wrapped. And I'm going to go ahead and tear into this one too. Okay. And I'm going to hang on to some of these presents right now, but you guys can get them at the very end of the message because you're going to help me with my message right now. Thank you guys. You can take your super soaker and then you can come and get these at the very end. Thank you. Can you guys give them a hand? Go ahead and you guys can take that back. All right, so the very first of our presents that we're going to take a look at that they just unwrapped is this little guy right here. And if you can't tell what it is, if you're sitting back or online, if you can't quite tell, it's just a little globe. A little globe being the first gift for us, reminding us that we need globes, we need maps to, to navigate ourselves through the world. Some of us do that better than others. And really, globes and maps are something that have fallen by the wayside as all of you have nifty GPSs in your pockets or purses, right, that update and tell you how to get places and where to go. But we need maps to tell us where we are or how to get somewhere. And even when we use our phones and we use Google Maps or Apple Maps or whatever it is that you use, sometimes, sometimes even that doesn't work just right. My family and I just moved over to Chesterfield in the last couple of months, and so we're in a new area that we're not all that familiar with. And just this last week, my wife needed to run something to the post office. And so she just looked into to Google Maps and searched post office, loaded up the three boys, and was headed to the what she thought was the post office. But something just didn't seem right as she was approaching. And she got up to this gate where there was a guard that informed her that she was at Selfridge Air Force Base. Which maybe there's a post office on the base, I'm not quite sure, but they kindly let her know that she could find a post office elsewhere and she went a different direction. It's cer I I've certainly not followed directions perfectly and sometimes our directions aren't just right. But what we can have confidence in is that no matter where it is that we're on the map, on the globe, no matter where we are, God is with us. We know this clearly. Because in Scripture, in Psalm 139, it says this. It says, I can never escape your spirit. I can never get away from your presence. If I go to heaven, you are there. If I go down to the grave, you are there. If I ride on the wings of the morning, if I dwell in the farthest oceans, even there your hand will guide me and your strength will support me. I could ask the darkness to hide me and the light around me to become night, but even darkness cannot hide from you. To you, the night shines as bright as day. 
There is nowhere you or I could go, have gone, will go, that God is not with you. That God is not there. No matter where it has been that you've traveled on your vacations this summer, no no matter what it is that you've done this summer, God has been with you and continues to be with you. His presence is ever around you constantly. And on here this Christmas in July, we remember that God specifically showed up to a town, Bethlehem. He chose that place for a specific reason that we don't totally, completely understand, but from Scripture we know that this is what God had ordained, God saw as good, to go to a town called Bethlehem for all people that God would come to us, not just in some sort of spiritual way, but in a very physical, real way that he would come to not only Bethlehem, but to a manger to be born as a man. Our second present here is one that maybe, I don't know how many of you like these sorts of things, but this is a calendar. It actually starts here in July. And calendars to me right now in this season are a reminder that school is coming back. Or, I don't know how many of you right now have felt that your calendar has been more full during these summer months than during the school year. Anybody? Some of you? Hopefully some of us are able to take a step back and to relax and to breathe a little bit. Our calendars have a way of filling themselves up and busying ourselves with all sorts of things. And we sometimes are not the best judges of time, of how to use our time, how to allocate all of our time. I know myself being an optimist, sometimes think I can do more in any given time than really any person could. And in doing so, I get myself caught up in trying to do too much in too little time. Our second present reminds us that God not only comes to us at a specific place, as the globe reminded us, but the calendar reminds us that God came at a specific time. Over 2,000 years ago, God decided to come at that time, at that place, because it was the right time. In Romans chapter 5, verse 6, it says to us, For at just the right time, while we were still sinners, Christ died for the ungodly. God's timing is perfect. God knew from the creation of the world that knowing how all things were going to end, that he chose a specific time at just the right time. The fullness of time is what it says in Galatians. That he was going to send his son into the world in a very real way at the right time for you and I. That his timing, while our timing is not always right, his timing is perfect, it's impeccable, and we might not fully understand it on this side of eternity. Why 2,000 years ago? Why a manger? Why Bethlehem? Why as a baby? But he did it for us, that God could come to us. And the last one, which is likely my least favorite present out of this whole thing, is this is a budget planner. Yeah, okay, someone likes numbers. But budgeting, planning is not my favorite thing in the world. It really never has been. And in this world of electronic money and debit cards and credit cards, it's really easy to get off on a budget. And right now, maybe you feel like you're not hitting your budget because your budget might be taking a hit. Maybe inflation of all the things that we consume on a daily, weekly, monthly basis, or just the sheer fact of the fluctuation and the cost of gas and just the volatility of money in general makes it difficult to plan things out and to budget well. I learned this the hard way when I was a college student. 
My junior year, I moved into an apartment, and I was right next door to a 7-Eleven. I didn't have a credit card at that point, but I had a debit card. And every day, I started to get into this habit of like, oh, I'll just pop in, and I'll grab a Slurpee. I'll just come in and grab a pop. I'll just go in, and I'll just grab a bag of chips. And I quickly learned that when I bought a $2 Slurpee that turned into a $25 overdraft fee, that my money wasn't endless, and that I needed a budget, and I needed to determine how much I could spend on those sorts of things. For all of us, if we were to look at the budget that we have spiritually, not just physically, but our spiritual budget tells us this, that we are in debt. I'll tell you some good news, some bad news, and some great news. The good news is this. You were all created in the image of God. The bad news is this, that that image was broken. When Adam and Eve sinned, when they took hold of that fruit and wanted to be like God, you and I then inherited this sinful nature, a debt that now we have to pay because it says in Scripture that all sin and fall short of the glory of God and that the wages of sin is death. What we have earned by our mistakes, when we don't listen, when we don't do what's right, when we lie, when we cheat, when we steal, whatever we do wrong, and just our sheer nature itself, our old nature, is a sinful one. It is one that is a debt. And there is nothing that we could do to pay God back for that debt. But the good news is on Christmas that God comes to us not only in Bethlehem, God not only comes to us at the perfect time, but God comes to us for a specific reason. In Colossians chapter 2, it says, You are dead because of your sin. And because of your sinful nature was not yet cut away, then God made you alive in Christ. He forgave all of your sins. And here it is. He canceled the record of the charges against you. He canceled all of your debt, and he took it away by nailing it to the cross. So on Christmas here in July, we get to remember that God not only came to us, at a specific time, at a specific place, but he came to accomplish a specific task. And that specific task wasn't to tell us the list of good things to do and the bad things to avoid. That task wasn't to just be a good moral teacher. That task was not just to make us all feel good. That task was to pay the debt you and I could never have paid for ourselves by dying on a cross for us. So here in Christmas in July, we get to remember that in a manger, that God became flesh, that God came to us, that God came to you for your sin and for the consequences of those sins. And so that now we get to look upon Christmas at a season right now that looks nothing like Christmas and remember the goodness and graciousness and the power of our God that he would send his son in that way so that we might be saved. My encouragement that I want to leave you with is that you could explore this idea of how can thinking about this, meditating on the reality that God has sent his son at the right time, at the right place, and to do just the right thing, how does that affect the way that you live your life now? And how is God continuing to show up in your life at just the right time, at just the right place, and doing just the right thing. First and foremost, he sent his son, but God is still at work in all of our lives. 
And as a family, as an individual, it would be worthwhile and helpful this next week to reflect back on a God who would graciously send his son on Christmas and a God who continues to work in and through your life now. And as you reflect on his wisdom, his goodness, and his power, how might that give you more peace and confidence as a Christian as you move forward in your days and your weeks throughout the rest of this summer? I'll read Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6 one more time to remember this. For a child is born to us, a son is given to us. The government will rest on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. God comes to us. God has come to you through his son, Jesus Christ, and that is good news for us this morning. Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, God, we thank you. And we thank you on this beautiful day that over 2,000 years ago in a little town, in a dirty manger, that, God, that you saw that it was fit to send your son, fully God, to become fully man, that he would empty himself of his glory and become made in the likeness of man so that he could die for us, that he could do the task that we could not do, erase the debt that we could never pay. So now that when you look upon us, you do not see our sin, you do not see our debt, but you see your dearly and beloved children because of the work of Christ on the cross. God, let us be a people who remember your goodness, who remember the way that you came and the work that you've done, and let us carry, carry that forward with us each and every day. In Jesus' name, amen.